And now, the sounds of Klamath Falls, Oregon. The time is 3.51 a.m. It is 50 degrees. The air is nice and cool. I am stationed high on a mountain, looking down over the city. I see no cars but hundreds of lights. Thank you. Nine one one emergency, what are you reporting? This is Radio Flom. We may have an emergency on our hands. Our producer, Devon Parks Clantier, has been missing for several episodes. He vanished around two months ago, and has not responded to any correspondence we have sent via text, mail, and pigeon. We have even used very friendly and cordial language in our requests for communication. Like, we stopped calling him a jack-off. We also tried smoke signal. But that probably got lost because of the campfire. He does great interviews. Even knows what he's talking about. Unlike Milk Surface. So we are wondering. If there is anyone with a particular set of skills. Who could bring him and his interviewing talents back to our distinguished guests. Perhaps have the canine bark at him a bit. Go all bad cop on him. Get totally Miranda in his face. Maybe do an old school drive-by and rough him up. But not the larynx. We need that. It's extremely sensitive where the press is concerned. Previously on Radio Flom. For reasons best known to themselves, they become overzealous where psychosurgery is concerned. Do you know our plans, strengths, or weaknesses? Why don't they kill us? What do they want? Sending back my message. What does it mean? This is no message. If there's an intelligence there, I wanted to know there's an intelligence here. Is it clear? Yes, Doctor. It could be anywhere by now. I have only one chance. I hope I haven't combinated it in the entire.
Five minutes past twelve midnight. The farm, the fertile land. George, where are we? The years, the great Central Valley was born. Melvin Butler with San Joaquin drained at the bay. Second teams docked the hillsides for once they were hickory. Melvin Butler with San Joaquin drained the Sacramento. From Sacramento, the heart of California and around the world. Genuine Modern Radio. Radio Flom. Flom Talks, Farm 2.6, with Robin Waxman. Since 2009. So, so about as long as I've been doing this project. So I was at California College of the Arts, getting a, a Master's of Design, and I was interested in using design as the muscle and the tool to engage the next generation in being more civically minded and more active. So I did a bunch of primary and secondary research on the millennial generation. And my first experiment was to have a farm and see if millennials could understand that growing food could be a form of protest that they felt more comfortable with versus holding signs at the corner of Fifth and Market and yelling. And I remember in your research you were talking about the current generation was sort of taking what is handed to them and not used to protest. And you come from a background where there was a lot of protest. Farm became this thing that sort of changed how this group protests. Yeah, in 2009, there wasn't a lot of protests for my own. And if you'd asked someone why, you know, we were still, we were in our fifth year of the Iraq war. And if you ask them why they weren't protesting, because there were protests about that, it's not that they didn't care, it's that they didn't think it would have any effect. So part of what led to what I would call a productive protest is that thinking that protest to them didn't result in anything. So how could I design a protest that did result in something? So if you look up the definition of protest, it says public and forceful way to make the change that you want. So the strip of land was right next to California College of the Arts and it was a toxic strip of land that many people before me had tried to make into something. I never, never quite got there. They ran into all different problems, mostly having other people be involved in it. There was just a, a lot of apathy. So my thesis was about what design's role was in engaging the next generation to doing something with that piece of land. So I did disruptive design investigations, asking people to tell us what they want there. Very participatory. So it was about the poster and the protest, which are the two quintessential um, icons that I was looking at. So the, the idea of the poster 
um, the, and the history of the poster is very much involved in change making. So posters uh, as protests, posters yeah. as means to protest. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was looking at how to redesign the poster in a way that would appeal to this generation and this new type of protest that I was experimenting with. So the posters were very participatory. Um, the first one that I did had a photo of that strip of land, and I asked people to. I, I had pens hanging, and they were to write in what they wanted to see on that land. And then there were some other ones too. Eventually, the big one was the digital poster, which was projected on the side of the California College Arts, right above where we eventually built the farm. And students there, or anyone there, could text to the poster and put their thoughts on it. So it asked five questions, and they were all multiple choice and fill in the blank. And depending on how many people answered, the, the answers would grow. So like if a lot of people picked a specific answer, it would get larger and larger. And so there was a new poster every day, depending on who participated and what they had written. So the, the answers were all piled on top of each other. And after 24 hours, the poster would refresh and you could start making a new poster again. You took the plot of land and you actually were able to grow things on it. Yeah, there was, this is was 2009, so you're reminding me of these details. <laughs> there was a lot of no, you can't do this. A ton yeah. of no, you can't do this it, at every level. Student level, faculty level, San Francisco level. Um, just a lot of naysayers. And that just made me want to do it to run into that. And so we, we figured out how to get around every single obstacle that we had, including the toxic soil. So that took a lot of research. It took finding the San Francisco Permaculture Guild, figuring out alternatives, what would make people feel safe to eat from this farm that is growing food on toxic land. So there were a lot of little tricks that we did, but you're right, I did get a lot of no, which made it even more protesty. I know. (laughs) Is that plot of land still there? The plot of land is still there. (laughs) Um, So the, the idea behind it, though, was that it would be passed on to the next cohort, that I would leave and never be remembered. That, that the activity that happened there was through the land specifically and not through any one person. So it was very decentralized, or I tried very hard to make it decentralized or to, to design it that way. So the, the group decided that half of the food would be donated. I was pushing for donate all the food. But at the time on that block, there were three different populations. There was transient students, there were homeless people on one side of the street, and then there were day laborers waiting to get picked up on the far end of the street. And none of these three populations ever talked to each other. No. So the idea was to, to bring this piece of land, which it was all about, would bring these three different groups together to do something productive. So um, they decided that half of the food, we didn't get any homeless people to help us. The day, there was a day laborer that came over and helped us, and then the rest were students, but half of the food would be donated and we donated it to the Free Farm, which was a project that had started just before ours um, by a man named Tree, who would go to the farmer's market at the end of the day and collect all the food and then hand it out at a stand. He had a Free Farm stand. So we would donate the food to Tree, who would then distribute it, was how that would work. I think we went through maybe four generations where I was still involved, where somebody would contact me and say, hey, I understand that you were doing this. I'm interested in taking it over. And then after that, I didn't get contacted anymore. And that's when I knew it was successful, is when the project lived on its own without someone having to take care of it. Only problem is I had noticed that they they wanted to sell their food. Is, is where it got to. Oh, okay. So I got involved once again <laughs> <laughs> and um, explained, because by that many generations, the, the intent was 
lost a little yeah. bit. So I, I've spoken at California College of the Arts a few times specifically about that project and I try to keep it on track. But what they eventually did was um, CCA bought the back lot of where the building was and they have like a second farm there, but it is fenced in. So it is not farm as I know farm because farm as I know farm is a public thing to do is, is for anyone to eat from. But and what is farm? And farm is an acronym. Farm stands for, and I did not come up with this myself, <laughs> Future Action Reclamation Mob. And so we have since, when it's moved to Davis, so we moved to Davis in 2009 and moved the project. And it, it took me about a month, but I eventually convinced my husband to convert our front yard into a farm, into an FARM farm. And on Halloween in 2009, we invited the community to come and farm our front yard. And uh, 19 students, mostly students, some community members showed up. So it was 19 of us. And we designed a farm. And it was interesting because they kept asking me, well, where, where do you want to, how do you want to do this? Like, where do you want to put the vegetables? And I'd say, well, I don't know. Where do you want to put the vegetables? And we'd go back and forth on that a few times until they finally figured out that this was not Robin's farm. This was everybody's farm. So people started to take more leadership role in that, and they started to feel like it was theirs. Um, they would show up, you know, I lived in the house behind it, so they'd show up during lunch. People would be out there using Wi-Fi, just kept my Wi-Fi open. And this is like downtown Davis? On K Street, yeah, yeah, yeah in okay. Davis. And that farm is still there, too. So um, we did that for two years, and I thought, what could be better than an urban farm is a real farm. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and did something crazy, and we bought a 2.6-acre piece of property about eight miles from that K Street farm. And there was nothing there. We call it farm 2.6 because it's 2.6 acres. And there was nothing there except for the old orchard. So there were 35 fruit trees. And uh, what we did was we developed the land in the, in the same way. We invited those same people. And by now the, the mailing list is much bigger. There's five to 600 people have been through K Street farm and farm 2.6. And so those people started coming out here. It was a little farther, so we got a different group. Um, you had to either bike or drive to get there. But we put in another orchard, and that was paid for by the um, Davis Food Co-op through a fundraiser that they put on for us. And uh, we got a tractor, which the Rotary Club purchased for us. So people started to take notice of like, whoa, what's, what's this project? I've never heard of this project. All the time I meet people who say, I've never, never heard of this. And that's fine, and that's exactly how we want it to be. Um, this is not a corporately sponsored farm. We don't put anybody's logo on our website. Um, that's part of one of our core values is that we don't do that, that a gift is truly a gift. So it's grown into something that w became more of community and a more of a cultural way of thinking that food has grown to be shared, that food is a human right. And so we have a lot of young people who come here every week and you know, you're, you're weeding and you start talking and they start thinking about these important things. And you're hooked up with a few schools and a few organizations because uh, what was interesting, we were talking earlier and you're, you were explaining where all the food is going. So we donate to five different places. Um, we At the very beginning of this project, we started donating to Cesar Chavez Plaza, which is a low-income residency on Olive Drive. Most of the residents there were formerly homeless. They don't have proper nutrition. I mean, a lot of these people grew up in food deserts or with food alienation and fruit cocktail is how they get their fruit. So we started there. Um, after we had too much food for them, we went on to Davis Community Meals, which is a, a pretty well-known organization in Davis that has uh, housing and meals for people. 
and uh, we donate to, they have three meals a week. And we started out just donating to the Tuesday meal and then eventually we had enough food to do the Thursday meal and then we had enough food to also do the Saturday meal. And then we had too much food again. So we reached out uh, to other places and uh, Stake, short-term emergency committee, contacted us after they read an article in the local paper about us and asked if we could donate to them. And it was perfect timing. I'm like, yes, absolutely, we have extra food. And then I contacted, um, and that's a food pantry. Then I contacted Empower Yolo, which serves mostly women and women's shelters and domestic abuse. And we told them we had extra food. So we started having a weekly donation to a women's shelter in Davis. And then we also have Eleanor Roosevelt Circle, which is our low-income seniors. And we do the Grow and Give project with them. And in the summer, we have so much food that we also make a weekly delivery to those guys. There's, I mean, there's a lot of groups out there that... Uh are doing so much that you don't hear about and it's it's good to get word out too yeah well what we're doing is we're we're helping other nonprofits so we do very little direct donations every once in a while there's an individual and we'll give them food directly but all these donations go through other well-established nonprofit organizations so there's really no reason for us to be anything but under the radar yeah and that's how we prefer it because we believe that a gift is a gift we don't need credit for it we don't expect reciprocity for it in any way. It, it's, it feels better when we don't get that. So how do we promote your website? <laughs> <laughs> so people can find out more. Yeah. Since you've been doing this, one of the things I've noticed is there are groups that have been showing up that have started doing similar things. During the drought in California, there was a group that, and I don't know if nonprofit or if there was a profit, but you pay them, I think it was 500 bucks set up, and they would convert your lawn into a farm, and then they would farm the food, and it would go to different places. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see that showing up. Yeah, that makes me really happy for that. And in fact, when we put the farm in our front yard on K Street, we had two other neighbors who did the same thing ah. a couple of years later. They started much smaller than us. We took all 2,000 square feet. <laughs> But they were also growing food on their front yard. It's like we, we paved the way in that particular case. But I'm so glad that people are doing this, you know, without knowing about Farm Davis, which we've yeah. changed our name to Farm Davis. Um, and that's great. People are understanding the value of nutrition and the value of the gift. Our website? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our website. So we're, we're at farmdavis.org. So www.farmdavis.org. And the really cool thing, talking to Robin here, if you did want to start something like this, I could guarantee in, what, about an hour you could tell them how to set up. Yes. I have learned everything the hard way. Because <laughs> I, I did see you did not have a green thumb. Oh, yeah. No, there wasn't a plant that had survived my touch before 2009. Yeah. 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 So there's actually three farms. There was a third one that we put up in South Davis on another front yard. But, yes, I learned everything just the hard way, and now I'm a, a UC Master Gardener. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Last year. Radio Flom. From Sacramento, broadcasting now. Genuine Modern Radio. And now, I present to you the sounds of Klamath Falls, Oregon, outside of a Jeep going down South 6th Street.
ladies and gentlemen, Chelsea Dawn. They told ya you're just one of their kind. It's a lot to behold, but I warned ya every bit is a lie. You take pride in the blind way to hold up, and you never deny. Just like Jesus Christ would have told ya, find the truth and the light. So go tell it on the
Where are you listening to Radio Flom? In your favorite easy chair? Or... Miracles are everywhere when you look for them. That Cellini, Michelangelo, and Da Vinci once all met on a street corner is a miracle. That all these flamists mostly met on the internet is quite also the same thing. That's a lengthy one to trace how you find them all, and who points to who is complex among a bunch of buddies. You can now Google Roman and DeviantArt and Fantasy Roman DeviantArt for some wall ideas. You know, it is decorative. There are gates in it. Painting order, Queen of the Dawn, with a morning star shining through the darkness behind the gates of titanium rococo and Art Nouveau doors. 20 by 200 meters. And you get more aesthetic passports. You can grind the cement and make mortar of it a lot of employment. Flom now presents Larry Peters. Now listen to a story about a man named Jed. Poor mountain man barely kept his family fed. Then one day was shooting at some food. And up come the ground, come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Baghdad bullion. Well, next thing you know, well, Jed's a millionaire.
Right now, listening to Radio Flom and enjoying it immensely. We are all Flomus. You can be too. And now, here is Jason Marburg reviewing a film classic. Just in time for the festive dinner with family holiday season. So there's this movie that I, I talk about a lot. Every six months or so, I rediscover it for myself, and I'm like, everybody's got to watch this movie. And usually it's when it's not available on Prime or anywhere else, and it just becomes a giant pain in the ass. It's a movie called Joe from 1970. Okay, so really Joe is this movie from 1970. It's it, it actually covered a bit in Electric Boogaloo, the Canon Films documentary that is hilarious and always available on Netflix, and I think usually on Prime, too. Joe is a low-budget uh, flick from 1970 about... A hard hat, you know, and in the parlance of the times, hard hats were these, you know, kind of like working stiff guys um, dealing with the generation gap and like the turmoil of late 60s, early 70s America or whatever. 
And I don't want to go too far into like what could be spoiler territory, but this guy's like the loud mouth at the bar. You know, at one point in time, he's he's drunk and he's spouting off and he says, you know, 44% of all liberals are queers. You know, it's like that kind of guy, right? And so he ends up teaming up with this, you know, because he's like this lower working class guy. He ends up teaming up with this rich guy uh, to go find the dude's like missing hippie daughter. And it's about them kind of perusing the hippie underworld or whatever. Um, and it, it ends up turning into kind of a, a much of like a grindhouse kind of like it's a great, great, great movie. Everybody should see it. It's actually more relevant now than ever. Um, these guys basically become sort of like middle-aged vigilantes, you know, taking on the counterculture. And what's actually interesting about it, it was this small film directed by was John G. Avildsen. Um, I think he did... He either did Rocky or Karate Kid or, or both of those. Yeah. Dude's been around. And so this is one of his first films. They made it for like a hundred grand or whatever. It became the hit of the summer in 1970. And the reason that it did was it was very much like an Archie Bunker kind of thing. You know, famously Archie Bunker was this unhinged right-wing <laughs> racist character. And, you know, the show was set up to kind of like have um, his kids, you know, Rob Reiner and Sally Struthers kind of play off him as the, the you know, the more liberal-minded uh, retort to that. And what they found with that was that like half the audience watched it because they hated Archie and the other half loved it and identified with him, even though he was clearly not really the good guy so much the protagonist. Joe was the same kind of thing. Um, so even though Joe is not the good guy at all, he is painted more sympathetically than I think a lot of people are really used to for that kind of character. And even though he does some horrific things in this film, they found that half the audience were kids who were like, you know, like drinking in the tragedy of this awful guy and the other half were... You know, kind of uptight suburban parents who were like, yeah, that's that's how you got to deal with those hippies, you know, because the country was sort of like we are right now, like super, super yeah. divided. And so, yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy how that works. In fact, actually, around the time, there were a couple of different court cases where Joe was used as a defense by parents who there was a one parent. I think it was uh, Upper Northwest. They went to their their kids college dorm, killed their own kids and a few of the other kids for just being so different from them, you know, like, uh, be, uh, being countercultural representatives or whatever. And one of the parents got off. The defense worked. So, yeah, we've kind of been here before. Anywho, just, yeah, check check that flick out. This is Radio Flom. <laughs> All right, so uh, what do we have here? So we have Famous Fatso's Banana Pudding, my brother, Henry, and myself, Tammy. We are the owners of it. And uh, we are really excited because currently we have been given keys to brick and mortar, which is on 26th and J Street, a very pristine location yeah. here in Sacramento, California, 2604 J Street. Um, number A is Starbucks, 2604 J Street. Number B is Famous Fatso's. So, nice. yeah, very nice. Um, wanted to be an English teacher. We could not come up with an adjective to describe it. So we came up with a static, went into the thesaurus, and they don't ha house anything that would, you know, mimic what we Give feel. Give enough Yes, exactly. But it is decadence in a cup. They're four-ounce sealed cups with the silver spoon on top. Oh. Now, I do have to interject that on the radio station, personnel Jay King gets on there and, and exclaims that it's a crack. And I humbly say, please stop using that adjective. It is not crack. We rather you say gold, G O L D. And um, because you can sell it. sell more if you say it's crack. Though. I know! <laughs> 
And then Chief Hunter, our very own police chief here in Sacramento, he gets on the same radio station and exclaims to the world that it's the best he's ever had. And so, of course, my brother and I hightail it to Freeport, where he's housed, he and his captain and administrative, and we saturate the police department with famous fatso's banana pudding. So, so the headline is, Police Chief on Crack. Yes! Okay. <laughs> We're going to run with that, okay? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Can I ask uh, where the name's from? The name is from when I was a little girl and I had some baby fat up, and up until about fifth grade. My brother, he in, inflicted that name, Fat Souls. To this day, at the age of 51, I don't mind saying it, I still answer to that. If yeah. he were to say it right there, I would do an about face and say yes. He would say, Fat Soul. i like, yes, brother. Do that. <laughs> Receptacle there. Eats on Eats is my way of um, excusing the fact that I get to eat <laughs> and travel. It's, uh, no, it's like it started that way where if anyone, you know, the first thing they learn about me after spending a day with me is that I love to eat. So it made sense to start a food blog and it kind of caught fire. I think it was because I was telling stories rather than just, oh, look at this beautiful dish that I ate. You know, it's uh, more about the actual food and who was behind it rather than the fact that I ate it, if that makes sense. I think that's that's the world we're in right now. And the guy I like to credit for setting the pace for it was Anthony Bourdain because he, he refused to just do a cooking show. He was going to do a lot more than that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, even before I did the blog, if I mm-hmm. had a bad day, I would turn on Anthony Bourdain on Netflix because it was nice to know mm-hmm. there was someone out there doing that and it like really hit me you know it really hit me when um when he left this world I still haven't been able to watch his shows again and I do like I do that as an inspiration as I feel a lot of people do in this industry it it hit us just before we were doing a flom event it was just like you felt the air get get sucked out of the world there are now food bloggers out there that are carrying uh the torch now that yeah. that he's gone and uh, now, now it's kind of up to everyone else with different backgrounds to explore food on their own yeah, and it definitely is i think that after his death i just i immediately saw the change in um copywriting even with people that were just sharing their you know their meal oh this is my lunch like i feel like people were starting to tell their stories because it was such an immense loss and i feel like mm-hmm. everyone kind of took that on and decided to do their best to kind of honor him. And I feel like that's still happening, actually. So what's for Thanksgiving this week? (laughs) So Thanksgiving. So usually what I do, um, to be honest, a lot of Filipino families, we celebrate, obviously, Thanksgiving here in America, but we create, we, you know, like do traditional Filipino food because that's what we make. And I feel like as a first-generation American, it's interesting because I'm the only one in, you know, like in my in-laws or in my own family that brings sort of American traditional food to the table. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say it feels like, I don't want to say it feels like an obligation or like anything like that, but it's nice to see at the table, the Filipino food, like, of course you have your lumpia, you have something like called caricare, which is a food that in the Philippines is expensive, but in America is way more accessible. And then you have like, stuffing, you have cranberry sauce, you have turkey. And for me, that's something special because you don't see that any other celebrations in the Filipino American community. So where do we find your blog? Just go ahead to my website, 
and it's just deets on eats, deets as in details, that's D-E-E-T-S, and then on eats.com. And um, the easiest way to get to my social media platform is, of course, there's like little buttons at the top of the website that you can click on because it does, the name does kind of change over several platforms. My main audience seems to be on Instagram currently, but I do have a blog. And, and you're in Sacramento. I should mention that, and traveling around the world. I, I see you going to different countries. The whole point when I started was, you know, to find an excuse to travel, kind of light a um, fire under my ass to do it, because <laughs> I always just really wanted to do that. Um, and so I did have content from other countries um, immediately before everything else. And I think when people in Sacramento caught on to the fact that for some reason I had credibility in the fact that I was more adventurous when it came to eating, um, I was really embraced here because the Sacramento-based food influencer community here is more into like downtown and um, really beautiful shots. But I mean, not a lot of people have the opportunity to travel. And as a freelancer, that's easy for me. So, I mean, the goal is to continue to do more food outside the country and even outside the state. But currently, um, my audience tends to be Sacramento-based. So I do cater to that most of the time. So what do we eat on Friday besides leftovers? And it really depends what you would crave. Like, just off the top of my head, um, like I know my Chinese place currently in Sacramento is New Hong Kong Walk. And it's definitely, it's a bigger space, but it's barely ever really full. And the menu is large, so everyone's pretty much happy as long as they have as long as they like Chinese food, they can choose whatever. Um, and the service really feels like like a family kind of ambiance. They take care of you, and you're left to really just bond with your family over this food that feels like you're unneeded. And that's like what I would do, even for a date. If I want to bond with someone, I would want a more small, intimate space. What really cool place have you found right now that most people don't know about? Hmm, that's a good, a good question. I really have to think about that. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's part of what I do with my wife. We go searching for little holes in the wall that just have like incredible tortillas or something like that. I feel like that's definitely, like I'm definitely the stereotypical wife that's like, oh, what are you feeling or what am I feeling? Um, there is one place that I'm just really proud that I, I came across it and I don't want to take credit. Um, I do ask my followers for suggestions. The place currently that, or that I am most proud of having found through them this year is called Tori's Place. And um, for me, and I've, I've traveled through the entire Southwest and I've done road trips from California all the way through Key West. So I've had quite a bit of um, food from the South. And for me, Tori's Place is the closest I've been to that kind of food. It's family run. It's quite small. And um, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, like a lot of people that were local, they frequent that restaurant but not a lot of people from within Sacramento do because with soul food the main key behind that is that it, it's from the soul right like it takes a long time it takes a lot of love and it's done prioritizing the eater really takes out a lot of time for people to make good soul food and I feel like there they really invest time into it and you could just taste it it's definitely more about the food than it is about the scene so for eaters specifically I would say um, go to Tori's place in Sacramento this is Radio Flom. Okay, I did it. Can can I leave now, please? God, at least feed me.
Here's how to butter bake your turkey. After stuffing the bird, pat lots of soft butter all over, especially on the drumsticks, breast, and wings. Vast factory cities with plants extending as far as the eye can see. Thousands of thousands of men, whole armies of workers, Next, cover the entire turkey with cheesecloth dipped in melted butter to protect it from shrinking in your oven. Bound for market. Kind of early for a load of artichokes to be getting in. Those guys must have made good time coming in Long Island. Is Stockton. The natural fertility of the Delta land has been increased by another system of canals. Melted butter. I'm glad I decided to walk to work tonight. It's a good night for it. San Francisco always looks swell from up here. There's a million people asleep down there now. They probably wouldn't like to work at night. Every half hour, baste with butter. A valley filled with deep, fertile soils. Then bake it slowly, without a lid. The Sacramento, fed by many tributaries, flows from the northern end of the Great Valley to the Delta Land east of San Francisco. Melted butter, the San Joaquin, drains the southern end of the Great Valley, flowing northward to the Delta and the Bay. Every half hour, then when they arrive at the door, a television camera takes their pictures to tell the hostess her guests have arrived. That means that the equipment is ready to handle your call. Dial service, however, does do away with the power. But you'll always find operators ready to help whenever you need them. Never hire them. Not out of it. Three hundred twenty-five. Yeah, it's a fine night, all right. For any call which you experience difficulty. Every half hour, faced with butter. Broken ship's mast. Preserving the memory of brave men dead at sea. What dreams of heroism and glory must the growing generation As he walks home, his head filled with the names of the whalers of a century ago. Today's Sag Harbor youngster, like Jan Harbor, passes nothing any of the whalers left behind. For the very town, its causes built with individual initiative and enterprise over the last hundreds of years, is also a monument to whalers. Never higher than 300 to 325 degrees. Melted butter. Are you all sold out? Oh, I did my share. And it's golden brown. You'll serve your family and guests the juiciest, tenderest turkey ever. Because we use butter. Every half hour, faced with butter. This year, bake your holiday turkey with real butter. Radio Hi there, this is Radio Fog. Stay tuned for more great programming. Dr. Mendez is in the house. Ooh, Slomper was a really fun one. Uh, that was a sample that I recorded at like 4 o'clock in the morning in, uh, in Cambodia. And like they had this so everyone could start their praying and I just it woke me up so I wanted to record it and remember this moment. And uh, I just threw it on a loop and then added some some fatty bass to it. <laughs> and then made it happen.
something about a railroad and something about railroading that's different from any other calling beneath the sun. Working with paper, with forges, lathes, and presses, truing the wheels, tending the signals, throwing the switches, building a fence, a bridge, a roadbed, a typewriter, making up the trains, running the trains, maintaining the trains. This is my railroad. Excuse me, do you have a Sacramento railroad in your basement? Because, <laughs> well, local history author William Berg does. Well, uh, I got involved with Sacramento history because I wanted to play with trains. Uh, I was a model railroader as a kid, and there's, there's a point in, in, in a man's life, if you've been a model railroader when you were a kid and you stopped doing it because you were more interested in girls and staying out late in parties, uh, there, there becomes a point when staying out late in girls and parties is deprioritized by the... Uh, uh, but my maturity and age and being too tired and marriage and all these other things that means you're not going to be running around tearing it up quite as often. And old hobbies from your youth tend to reoccur. In this case, it was model railroading. Could be amateur radio yeah. or model airplanes. Or, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the kind of the hobbies, the nerdy hobbies of our youth that you put aside because you're worried about being a nerd that you re, that you recapture because you don't care if people think you're a nerd. Plus, you know, as a high school, I was poor. You know, didn't couldn't afford all the fun stuff I wanted to buy. And when I was college, I was poor and you know couldn't afford all the and didn't have room for all this stuff. But now, you know, I'm I, I not that far from poor, but I'm far enough from poor where I can engage in the, the hobbies that I wanted to. And model railroading was one of them, and the problem is that model railroading got me into uh, volunteering at railroad museums. And before I knew it, I had started stumbling into local history and, for, and the writing local history books and writing articles about history and then back in grad school and changing my career and doing all this other stuff that didn't include actually what I wanted to do in the first place, which is play with my trains in the basement. So that's, uh, you know, it's still on the long-range plan. I still do some of it, but I tend to, it tends to take a back seat to the other uh, running around leading history tours and writing books and being involved with uh, historic preservation and history nonprofits that, um, that are, are fun and engaging in their own way and feels like I'm doing something worth doing, but uh, model railroading becomes the retreat for that, and eventually I'll probably get sick of dealing with people entirely and just putter around the basement and make more train stuff. But it's and it's not too far a skill set from uh, making noise stuff or doing other sort of artistic devices, and, and often they, they can be integrated with each other. There's a lot of the same things, like electronics and building things and certain amount of artistic skill, uh, whether you're doing uh, an art installation or model railroad, and the, the, the line become them, between them becomes very soft. I've had people who have actually asked me to bring segments of the model railroad to exhibit uh, as art shows, but they're really not mobile, so maybe that'll they're eventually... They're pretty built in, and if you want to see what we're talking about, uh, I'll have it up on the Der Tongue blog. Every little element here, as you said, is something from Sacramento history. Yeah, well, it's, this is Sacramento Northern Railway in Sacramento circa 1953. They were an electric interurban railroad that ran from Chico 
to Sacramento to Oakland, and they were closely aligned with another company called Central California Traction that ran from Stockton to Sacramento, and they ran through Midtown Sacramento streets. The their freight trains had to go around the perimeter through what's now Midtown, and uh, I'm most interested in freight operations, so that's what I model, and uh, a lot of the, the buildings and architecture of Sacramento, as industrial and residential architecture, are expressed uh, in addition to the operations of the trains themselves. And I try to, you know, where I can, I try to include inside jokes. If there's, I'm not sure if there are any close-ups of homes, but uh, the houses, uh, each each residence in the on the layout also includes one cat uh, i've got uh, i tend to write a lot about the west end and sacramento's african-american and japanese-american and chinese-american communities so i tried to represent them in the, the neighborhoods where they lived uh, the momo club nightclub uh, uh, one that's not yet complete is a japanese-american rooming house and uh, actually a sushi restaurant that was here in the 1940s that will be represented on the layout at least have it you can you can find uh, there there are some really good uh, Japanese model railroad uh, supply companies that will do th that do things like that uh, a modern sushi restaurant. So I'm trying to, to figure out a way to, to convey that there's HO scale sushi on a portion of the on a portion of the layout other than just a sign along the side. But that's part of what I want to capture here is, is I can't recreate the past, but I can build a model of it and show it off and, and give people an idea of what used to be here. Sacramento Heritage Inc. has a walking tour app that you can download for free and take tours, and uh, but I just sort of give a tour and people show up. You're off and running! With bright eyes shining, with bright eyes shining, with A bad English translation of Dostoevsky. And why do you win so much? And just normal and positive beliefs of companies help happiness for social people. Is this not a reason to ignore the error? Maybe you think that a man is good except for something good. What is suffering? Personal suffering big profits and the happiness for him sometimes people are abnormal passionate suffer from love it was one of his actions there is no mention of a story that should prove universality make sure you are alive вы слушаете радио флом Hello, friends. Do you suffer from food boredom? Tired of the predictability of modern homemade meals? Hate good taste? Are you sick to death of enjoying every sandwich? Well, here at Robco, we smell your pain, and we've got the solution to your alimentary anxiety. And you don't have to use your big toe to blow your taste buds right out of your mouth. It's new and improved. It's fun you can have every day at any meal. It's build a sandwich bingo. 
All of your favorite bingo numbers from B1 to O75 have been assigned to foodstuffs that you can use to build your own sandwich. There's breadings, inside cheese, nummy sauces, green substances, and 15 of your favorite selections from the Oncologica Tessin. But wait, the fun is just beginning. You don't choose the materials in your sandwich, the bingo caller does. You can choose between group play, or if you're a filthy heathen who despises fun, try the speed bingo setting. You'll get just one selection from each of the categories, spelling your way to a delicious, well, at least it's a sandwich. Everybody settle down. All right. B1. B1, fresh roast turkey. B1, fresh roast turkey. N31, wilted spinach. N31, wilted spinach. Uh, G46, tahini paste. G46, tahini paste. O75, Melba toast. O75, Melba toast. O69, burnt biscuit. O69, burnt biscuit. G50, Sri Rasha. G50, Sri Rasha. Oh, that's hot. I-16, human Havarti. I-16, human Havarti. I-24, Welsh Leotard Brie. I-24, Welsh Leotard Brie. B-11, Balut Egg Salad. B-11, Balut Egg Salad. I-28, Bat Milk Royer. I-28, Bat Milk Royer. N-42, Frisade Mustard Greens. N-42, Frisade Mustard Greens. I like that. N-31, Wilted Spinach. N-31, Wilted spinach. N33, rose petals. N33, rose petals. Oh, that's nice. I17, walrus gouda. I17, walrus gouda. G57. Orange marmalade, G57, orange marmalade. O64, pretzel bun, O64, pretzel bun. O72, ergot rye toast, ergot rye toast, O72. I-21 Bus Station Blue Stilton. I-21 Bus Station Blue Stilton. 
B10, crab salad with raisins. B10, crab salad with raisins. I know that's your favorite, Fanny. I-27, lactose-free goat jack. I-27, lactose-free goat jack. In-39, assorted lichen. In-39, assorted lichen. G-55, salted caramel frosting. G-55, salted caramel frosting. G-49, fudge sauce. G-49, fudge sauce. O-62, white fluffy Wonder Bread. O-62, white fluffy Wonder Bread. Who let that dog in here? Oh, 67, Texas Toast. Oh, 67, Texas Toast. B7, meat-free meatballs. B7, meat-free meatballs. B12. Spicy Bologna, B12, slicey, spicy Bologna, 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 whatever. I-29, Rat Romano, I-29, Rat Romano. Everybody loves Rat Romano. In 43, Pine Needles, in 43, Pine Needles. G54, warm mayonnaise. G54, warm mayonnaise. Coming to a picnic near you. N34, slugless romaine leaf. N34, romaine leaf sans sluggo. I30, diaper cheese. That's I30, diaper cheese. Check your cards, check your shorts. I-18, Aggie Lester. I-18, Aggie Lester. Knew that was coming. N-35, hey. N-35, hey. Hey. It's not just for horses anymore. B-5, garlic shrimp. B-5, garlic shrimp. I-19, bison cheddar, I-19, bison cheddar. N-40, dried kelp, N-40, dried kelp. You can't smoke that in here, son. Uh, not in here, you do that outside. N-45, Free-range arugula, N-45, free-range arugula. We have G-51, green ketchup. G-51, green ketchup. I think it's supposed to be that way. 
Oh, 65, hoagie roll. Oh, 65, hoagie roll. In 32, shredded iceberg. In 32, shredded iceberg. Too late to save the Titanic. I-22, Harry Wensleydale. That's I-22, Harry Wensleydale. In 44, Spanish Moss. In 44, Spanish Moss. G-59, Gooseberry Jam. G-59, Gooseberry Jam. Goes oh so well on a cracker. But that was not a clue. Oh, 61, ground up Christian bone ciabatta. Oh, 61, ground up Christian bone ciabatta. In 36, poached palm fronds. In 36, Poached palm fronds. B4, salted whale blubber. B4, salted whale blubber. B4, salted whale blubber. Yeah. B8, pork liver pate. B8, pork liver pate. I-25, sliced Famunda. I-25, sliced Famunda cheese. In 37, stinging nettles. In 37, stinging nettles. G-47, sour cream. G-47, sour cream. G58, library paste with rainbow sprinkles. That's G58, library paste with rainbow sprinkles. For your My Little Pony. Uh, G53, close to code tapenade. G53, close to code tapenade. Get it before we have to feed it to an animal. Oh, 63, stale bruschetta. Oh, 63, stale bruschetta. Take your choppers out for that one, Gladys, and dip it in the gravy. Oh, 66, real Italian focaccia. Oh, 66, real Italian focaccia. We've got oh, 71, crisp flour tortilla. Oh, 71, crisp flour tortilla. G-52 Vegemite. G-52 Vegemite. In 38, raccoon-tossed baby lettuce. In 38, raccoon-tossed baby lettuce. We have I-20. Codpiece mozzarella, that's I-20. Codpiece mozzarella. B-15, imitation horseflesh, that's B-15, 
Imitation horseflesh. It's the real, not the real deal. B-14 calamari steak. B-14 calamari steak. I-23 bowl milk parmesan. I-23 bowl milk Parmesan. That's milk from a bowl. They make it into Parmesan. And I don't know why. G60 stone ground mustard. That's G60 stone ground mustard. O74 two Krispy Kreme donuts. O74 two Krispy Kreme donuts. G-56, unsalted butter. That's G-56, unsalted butter. I-26, log-aged beaver cheese. I-26, log-aged beaver cheese. B-2, peanut butter. B-2, peanut butter. B9, gluten-free falafel. That's B9, gluten-free falafel. We've got O68, cinnamon roll. O68, cinnamon roll. O70, the thin curled heels of a moldy wheat loaf. O70, the thin curled heels of a moldy wheat loaf. Toast them twice, boys. O73, Zwieback. It's O73, Zwieback. Pronounce it as you like, it's still gonna choke your kid. B3, Ocean Marshmallow. That's B3, Ocean Marshmallow. B13, Vegan Head Cheese. That's B13, Vegan Head Cheese. B6, teriyaki monkey tail. B6, teriyaki monkey tail for you ladies in the back. Have to find a long curly bun. And we have, oh six. I said, you, son, you can't smoke that in here. You'll have to go outside to smoke it, unless you bring it up to the podium. All right, leave that for me. Here we have G48, pickle relish. G48, pickle relish. Bingo! Wow! I won. Oh boy, am I happy. Yo! I love bingo. It's really lots of fun, you know. How do you do? Do you like it? I got a gluten-free falafel with Welsh leotard brie and assorted lichen with warm mayonnaise on a burnt biscuit. Okay, what did bingo, you get? Bingo, bingo. I, I got a calamari bingo. steak with rat romano, Spanish moss and gooseberry jam on two Krispy Kreme donuts. I can't wait to see my teeth into this one. Another quality product from Rodco, proud manufacturer of the Squid Diddler and the Get Along Prong. Okay, bingo, bingo, bingo. I hope I have another bingo. To those who care, 
Listening versus expression. Sometimes I think people sign up for listening more than they do expression, but it really ends up being the other way around. A lot of people want to be heard. They have ways of dressing and expressing themselves. Some actually believe they're part of the radical movement just by dressing the part. Listening, I believe, has a lot more giving than it does receiving. Yes, we do receive information when we listen, but it's a way of giving, letting those that like to be heard to be heard. Sometimes in the power of learning, there are some things that I think can be picked up by listening. So I feel these days, if people could meditate more on listening to people and go about expressing like they normally do, I think sometimes you'll have a more centered listening versus expression balance. Those of you who are new at this, take heed. This is old school talking to new. Time to start listening more and think of it as expressing the same. Genuine Modern Radio. No one does radio flum like us. Waiter. Waiter. Still, did you have a C64 service? I'm going to call a manager. Take it easy, Walt. What's mostly wrong is your grouch. I'm sorry, Phil, but my digestion is so upset. What you may need for your poor digestion is something that works after nature's own order. Try Carter's Little Liver Pills. Get them at any drugstore. Only 25 cents. Radio Flom. Ah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Welcome, listeners. If you're wondering what the flom is happening here on Radio Flom, here's some upcoming things this upcoming weekend. If we say anything too fast, Google's a thing. Go ahead and Google that. On Friday, November 23rd, there will be Black Friday specials, so as soon as you're done with that Thanksgiving dinner, make sure you head on down and get some new merch in the official Flom store. We have tees, prints, stickers, mugs, and more. So, if you want any of this awesome stuff at super discounted prices for Black Friday, make sure you head down to flom.us forward slash flomhaas, that is spelled F-L-O-M-M-H-A-U-S, and use the discount code at the top of the page. Everything is made to order, thanks to the ethereal beings at Zazzle. We also have limited edition items in the other Flom store, so make sure to check it out at flom.us forward slash Flommers, spelled F-L-O-M-M-E-R-C-E. Get all the flom goods! What if I don't want to? Oh. Ah, fuck it, I'll get it anyway. And then, on the very next day, Saturday, November 24th, is Saturday Morning Cartoons, which is cartoons, cereal, and booze, running from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., which is located at B-Side, 1430 S Street, Sacramento. Also on Friday, are you ready to shop your heart out? Go to the Broadroom Flea, which is a vintage-only market, running from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Broadroom, 2311 S Street, Sacramento, right next to each other. Oh, 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 let me, let me do this one. Okay. <clears throat> Lindsay Sterling, in-store signing of her new album, Warmer in the Winter. That's going to be from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at Dimple on Arden. 
at 2433 Arden Wang, Sacramento. Oh my gosh, it's Lindsey Sterling. Knowing Sacramento, it probably is going to be warmer in the winter. And it's probably going to be Lindsey Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to relive childhood and the magic of prom? I know I do. Oh, well, I don't. But this oh. is going to be better. Check out the New Wave Prom, Ladies of the 80s edition, starring DJ Bit and our very own DJ Lady Grey. It starts at 9 p.m., again, on Saturday the 24th at Club Satori, which is 400 First Street, San Jose, California. You know, it's a really good thing that it ends at 9, because i got to get my girlfriend home at 10, or else her dad's going to shoot me with a shotgun. Well, that's good, well, because then you'll be ready for Sunday, November 25th. If I'm shot with a shotgun? Sure. On Sunday, the Red Museum presents Society at 8 p.m. at the Red Museum at 212 15th Street, Sacramento. On Friday, November 30th, End No Nut November with the launch of a new podcast, Ninfomercial. This new hentai review podcast review re-includes our very own awkward, asexual, and mildly mannered Milk Surface, a surface of milk, the only one and only Milk Surface. Make sure to follow Ninfomercial on Twitter for details as details are more erected. And on Saturday, December 1st is A Day of Silence. At the Castro Theater, which is 429 Castro Street, San Francisco. Radio Flom will not be participating in the Day of Silence. Oh, no. I'm aware we're always talking. But, Chad, uh-huh. it's a performance called the Day of Silence. How are they going to... What? Go there and see. Oh. Also, on Saturday, December 1st, another thing to look up is the Bay Area made... The Barlow, which can be at 6770 McKinley Street in Sebastopol? Uh, it's pronounced Sebastopol? California. And last off for Saturday, December 1st, is Open House at the Retro. It starts at 10 a.m. and it is a free to play arcade, swap meet, sidewalk sale, and just hanging out. Free to come. Free to bring stuff to sell at the swap meet. Anything video game related. Space is limited. Check it out at 6030 San Juan Avenue here in Citrus Heights, California. On Sunday, December 2nd, So Far Sacramento will be featuring artists in intimate spaces performing striped back sets to carefully curated audiences. That is a tongue twister. That's going to be at 7.30ish at a secret location in Sacramento. The address will be revealed the day before at sofarsounds.com forward slash Sacramento. Each month so far is happening in 423 cities all around the world. Did you say 423? I said 423 cities. 423? 423? 423. That's the flom number. That's also the three numbers on the back of my credit card. <gasps> <gasps> On Friday, December 7th, Germany Calling, a celebration of Germany's contributions to the industrial, synth, electro, golf, and new wave. That's going to be at 9.30 p.m. at Strange Love, 1190 Folsom, San Francisco. Strange Love. That's very strange. On Friday, December 14th, 
Mersbo and Pruriant will be performing at Oakland Metro Opera House in Oakland, California. And don't forget to tune in next week for the season finale of <gasps> Radio Flom. The season finale of Radio Flom. I've been waiting all week for that. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to It's going to be hell. <sighs> if you want your event mentioned on Radio Flom, you can reach us at flom.us forward slash contact. Hey, that's how I got a plug for an infomercial on that, there. That's why I contacted the aliens. <laughs> As soon as Mr. Benny gets here, we'll have dinner. Yes, ma'am. I'll put the turkey on the serving tray, and you go in the dining room and set the table. Oh, I've already done that, Miss Livingston, and I hope you like it. I put the butter right in the center, and around it, I put the salt shakers. You put the salt shakers around the butter? And around the salt shakers, I put the pepper shakers, and around the pepper shakers, I put the cream pitchers, and around the cream pitchers, I put the sugar bowls. <laughs> well, Pauline, why did you do all that? Well, we can't stop them from using the butter, but I figured we can slow them down a little. <laughs> Sacramento, the heart of California, and around the world. This has been Radio Flom. Recorded live before a studio. Contributors this week in order were... Milk Surface Kid OK Steve Mahalo Robin Waxman Chelsea Dawn PC Annalise Blanchard Reading the writing of Aliel Elder Elland Larry Peters Darius Forrest Jason Monberg Famous Fatso's Tammy Deets on Eats Dixie Daniel Mendes Shelby William Berg Stacy Chenake Robbie Edmonds Dorothy Mahalo Roan Chad Andre Jane Aquilina and Inani Renyuk Also featured were the announcings of Jason Spires, Audrey Daggett, and Cliff Allen. Radio Flom is produced by Steve Mahalo, Devin Parks Cloutier, and Milk Surface as himself. Theme music by Chelsea Davis. Sound design and engineering by Steve Mahalo. 
Radio Forum is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. However, recordings of contributors or guests of Radio Forum are still protected under international copyright law. Radio Forum contains features for review, opinion, critique, and or artistic transformation and may contain adult content and nudity. Want to be featured on Radio Flom? Drop us a note at www.flom.us slash contact. Flom is a modern art game app, art history resource, faux historical art movement that uses new media to generate interest in art history and education. Flom is an online connection art history, music, and beyond through Tumblr, Instagram, and other social medias. We are all Flomists. You can be too. Donations graciously accepted at patreon.com Flomus. We are at Flomus on most social medias. Flom is sometimes explained, but usually not. This is Cliff Allen saying thank you for listening, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, do something about it. 100 milligrams of Thorazine in the butt does wonders. Get your pants on. She's anti-fetish. They're all screwed up, so they're screwing up the culture. You just beat the world's speed record. Oh, you're gonna kill me too! It's a humanitarian act. Yeah. What he liked. Is you have a little on the side once in a while? I'll jump to that. It's growing and grew. Sorry you had to see that, Ma. That reminds me, Archie forgot to pack his raincoat. <laughs>